Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. We exist to equip pastors and leaders in the local church to transcend beyond current culture, to see government through the lens of the gospel, and engage as modeled in the scriptures. I am Leo Lazzarini. And I'm Greg Baker. Thank you for joining us for our Shepherd King Podcast. It has been a pleasure to talk about God and government with you. In our last episodes, we had a couple series, one talking about the institution of government and it is relationship with the church. In our most recent series, we talked about the shepherd, how the kings today are governing authorities today are defined in the word as shepherds. Today, we're going to start a new series and this one will be on who is our king today. Greg, I would love for you to share with us who is our king today. As we look to the scriptures, we do identify the kings all throughout scripture, from Genesis all throughout scriptures. But how can we identify the king today, especially here in the U.S.? Yeah, the the Bible can be a bit tricky uh, for, as Christians living in the West, trying to interpret uh, How do we engage in government today when all governments of the Bible are a monarchy? The monarchies we have today are more ceremonial than they have power. The Queen of England isn't writing laws and issuing verdicts from the courtroom stands anymore. But the that shepherd still exists. You're exactly right, Leo. And what we have to look at is the king primarily held six unique powers. The first power that we know him really well for is the lawmaker, the one who wrote the laws for the land. The other is the CEO who administered the overall government. A judge, the kings would sit in the judgment seats and issue verdicts. Commander of armies, the king commanded the military of the nation. The head of state, they were the symbol, the the image of who the nation was. And lastly, they're the sovereign. They're the one that ultimately owned the government. They owned the country. That's why it's often my people when they speak my land, my nation. And today, what you have to do is you have to take those six powers and you need to find out wherever you live in the world, who holds those six powers today? And that is your shepherds today. That's, that's great, Greg. How can we identify the king in our government system here in the U.S., for example? Yeah, so we have a presidential system in the United States. Mm-hmm. Most in the Western Hemisphere have a presidential system meaning we took and established three different branches of government. So the lawmaking powers of the king we gave to the legislative branch. In the states, that's a state legislator, a house and a senate, or in Nebraska, just a senate. And in the federal office, it is a U.S. House, United States Senate. And these two institutions have to pass legislation that mirrors exactly with each other, and then it is signed by the chief executive of the state or country, which would be the governor or the president. So the governor, the president, serves a small portion of the lawmaking power. The vast majority of it's in the legislative branch. The CEO, the head of the entire government, is the governor or the president, and they appoint and are often Senate-confirmed secretaries and directors and just different department leaders throughout the state. So state of Iowa is where you and I call home, Leo's. There's 36 state departments 
in the state of Iowa that fall under the purview of the governor. The the judge, the chief judge in the land, that rests with the U.S. Supreme Court and the state Supreme Court. The United States Supreme Court has nine justices on there. And the chief justice serves as also a member of the Supreme Court, but also a CEO of the judicial branch. So all operations of the court system fall underneath them. Commander of armies, the president serves as commander in chief. Governor is the commander of the guard. Sovereigns and the people, right away in the first words of the U.S. Constitution, we the people. People exercise their sovereignty every two years through elections. It is the people that form the members of Congress that select the president. They, they form their government. And uh, lastly, the head of state. The head of state is the, the symbol of who we are. And you look at the American currency, the American president is on that currency. Or if you look at your state, your governor serves as the head of state. That is why during times of great national crisis or statewide crisis, governor or presidents will often give special remarks. I remember in 9-11, during the September 11th attacks, we were anxiously awaiting President Bush to land safely in Omaha to be able to give an address to the nation. And the world was tuning into that message because we knew the words that the president shared were gonna have severe consequences. Or in the Japanese bond, Pearl Harbor, people were tuning in to hear what does Franklin Delano Roosevelt have to say. And he spoke the famous words, a date which will live in infamy. When World War II was facing the United Kingdom, People anxiously awaited to hear the remarks of King George VI, the head of state of the United Kingdom. There's also a great even movie about just the importance of that speech called the King's Speech. So each of these positions is held by someone today, some of them by the same person, but most of them by different people. As we identify, Greg, the, the king today, and we identify the powers of the king, what is why why is the king still relevant to our days? Why are all these powers that you mentioned, all the six powers of the king, why are they relevant to the people? Why does the king matter today? So we think of the the term the king as a broad sense, the shepherd. Government is a shepherd of people. Um, a pastor is a shepherd of church, father, shepherd of the family. Government is a shepherd of a collection of people. And laws draw the boundaries of which that culture is going to live in. It points people to what is right. It is, protects people from what is wrong. And depending on who your kings are will determine how they decide what is right and wrong. As Christians, we look to the word of God because we know people are fallen and that only God can tell us what is right and wrong. But laws have consequences. They largely draw the moral structure and the boundaries of society. The CEO administration, well, each of us lives every day impacted by the government. If you got up and you drove on a highway today, that was administered by the executive branch. The Department of Transportation falls under the, the purview of the President of the United States or the governor of your state have used the public school system today. If your family is dependent on a loved one drawn social security, or maybe a member of your family needs Medicaid, or perhaps you went 
and purchase something today. There are consumer protection laws that protect you. And there's departments that enforce that, including like the attorney general's office. So much of our day-to-day life is impacted by the administration of government. If the government closed tomorrow, you would notice a significant difference in your life. And you think the president of the United States, he is the CEO of a very large $3 trillion company. Before a judge, if you commit a crime or a loved one commits a crime or they're accused of a crime, you are banking on a judge to get the right verdict. Or maybe you're the victim of that crime and you're really banking on that judge to get that right verdict, right? Or every two years, you're hoping you can show up and vote. Because if you don't show up and vote and the government is chosen for you, not by you, we have seen throughout history that's got severe consequences. Or the U.S. decided not to form a government tomorrow. Like each of these things has severe consequences. And it impacts our lives and God designed it to. When government does its job well, it is a blessing to the people that call that place home. It's incredible, Greg, how much the king impacts our lives and how God designed it to do so. He helps us to encourage us to be more aware of who our king is and to pray even for our king like um, the Bible commands us to to do so. Um, It's important to understand the the, the institution that God has established for us. And I'd be able to identify that institution today in our day. So so thank you for sharing that. Greg, let's start expanding on one of the powers of the king. And let's start by the lawmaker. Why is this power of making laws important? And how can you define that power today? Who holds that power today? As we said earlier, the in the United States of America, the legislative branch holds this power. Same with those who live south of us in Mexico. Um, we have a U.S. Congress, a House, and a Senate that is responsible for making the laws of the United States of America. And in each state, you have a state legislature that meets for a certain period of time established by your state constitution. And it is very difficult to make law in the United States of America. And that that's very intentional here. We have 435 members of the U.S. House of Representatives that are based on population. So the little state that you and I call home, Iowa, gets four members of the U.S. House of Representatives. In Texas, to the south of us, one of the larger states gets 33 members of the U.S. House of Representatives. And But we both get two members of the United States Senate. The Senate's responsibility is to look at laws through the lens of the states, The House's responsibility is to look at laws through the lens of the people. And the president's responsibility is to look at laws through the lens of the nation. And what's really beautiful about the American system is all three of those are held in balance. And that is why we want all three of them to weigh on the laws. Because what's difficult about law, lawmaker, I believe, is the most difficult power. Because law is absolute. It is black and white. And you have to be able to make a law that rightfully impacts a nation of more than 320 million people. Or if I'm a lawmaker in China, I have to create some sort of national policy that encompasses the needs of nearly 2 billion people. 
Law needs a lot of lenses and a lot of angles looking at it because it has severe consequences. And the best explanation I can give to um, the legislative branch is if you're a company, the legislature is the board of the company and the executive branch is your team. And the work the board sets really builds the fences that the team can work in. And it is, like I said, very hard to build a fence that fits the whole nation. That's why the law process is slow. And this is one of the most critical designs of leaving the monarchy system. Most countries in the world have had not had an absolute monarch in a long time. Kings have long given up their lawmaking powers. Look at the United Kingdom. Yeah, the Queen of England's still there, but the House of Parliament's been making laws since the 1500s. The czars of Russia had the Duma. Uh, the, the Kaiser of Germany had the Reichstag. We have long understood the complexities of law and saying one person making something absolute is not a good idea. Getting multiple buy-in is extremely important. And from the scripture purposes, what we understand, Leo, is that law makes it easier to pursue life and more difficult to pursue death. That's what righteous law does. That's very good, Greg. Greg, would you say that law represents the people or law makes the people, if that makes sense. What is the impact that law has on the people? Does it represent the people or does it change the people? In a constitutional form of government, that is hard to determine because the people that are elected are a reflection of the people. But at the same time, we have a republic, not a democracy. It is not a mere majority passing votes. A lot, there's a lot of times legislators might make a decision that maybe the majority of the people don't agree with. But I think it's important to look at scripture's purpose of the law. The law has never been able to save anybody. The law is not going to completely eliminate crime. The law is a guide as to how one should live. And that's what we want to see law as. It's a guide to the people. And it will shape people in that sense. It will guide them into the way of righteousness and it will prevent them from the way of death. But it cannot eliminate sin because it cannot eliminate people's sinful nature. Hmm. Thank you, Greg. Greg, would you please share with us a couple examples of good lawmakers? Well, Leo, there's two people come to mind that really even reflect your last question. Do laws change people? Do people change laws? And that's John Adams and William Wilberforce. And John Quincy Adams uh, was a president of the United States, sixth president. But he returned to the U.S. House of Representatives, which is very unusual you went from quite a promotion to quite a demotion in people's eyes. But the reason why John Quincy Adams did this is he really understood the importance of law. And William Wilberforce gave his life to the parliament in the United Kingdom. And what was their main objective? What do these two men share an Atlantic Ocean apart? They wanted to abolish slavery. But to abolish slavery, two things had to take place. The legislature had to be willing to pass it. 
and the people had to be willing to elect a legislature that was willing to pass it. And which came first, the chicken or the egg? They both were doing this simultaneously. As the people's hearts changed towards slavery, more individuals like John Adams and William Wilberforce were getting elected. But as these men were elected and passionately speaking and introducing laws before British Parliament and America's Congress addressing the nation, they are changing the hearts of people. And as they changed the hearts of people, more people like them got elected to serve in the United States Congress and in the British Parliament. William Wilberforce had the opportunity to see the slave trade end in his lifetime. Hmm. William Wilberforce had the opportunity to end, hear the end of slavery in the British Empire in his lifetime, 40 years persevering in the United Kingdom Parliament. There's a great movie called Amazing Grace that I really recommend watching the story of William Wilberforce. John Adams did not. John Adams died before the U.S. Congress ended slavery, which would not completely end until the American people ratified the 13th Amendment. Because unfortunately, in our nation's history, our Constitution spoke to slavery. And we wanted to end it for once and for all, clear as day, by passing the 13th Amendment. But I can tell you what John Quincy Adams did accomplish. John Quincy Adams changed the hearts of the American people. And he mentored a key individual while he was in the U.S. House of Representatives. John Quincy Adams mentored freshman representative Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln would see the passage of the 13th Amendment in U.S. Congress, and he would see it sent to the states. Abraham Lincoln would author the Emancipation Proclamation. So John Quincy Adams still got to play an incredible role in the abolition of slavery. But these are two individuals, born-again believers, that understood the impact that one person could have and a larger body of government. William Wilberforce even saw the king of England's heart change on slavery, where the king once opposed him, supported him. And does the law matter? Ask the African Americans and the African citizens of the British Empire if law matters. Law placed people who are created in the image of God as inferior beings to others and allowed people to torment and torture and gain wealth on their backs for nothing in return. Law did that, and that's unrighteous law. Righteous law protects them. That's very good, Greg. Thank you for sharing that today. That's very Encouraging to see how God designed government so specifically in a way that it can bless people through all these powers. So thank you for sharing about the lawmaker today. What great examples that we can take with us. Thank you for joining us for one more episode of the Shepherd King podcast. We will continue to talk about who is our king today on our next episode. So stay tuned. Thank you for joining us.
The Shepherd King podcast is brought to you by the Church Ambassador Network, a ministry of the Family Leader Foundation that inspires the church to engage government for the advance of God's kingdom. For more information about the Church Ambassador Network, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, thefamilyleader.com backslash church.